Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Oh, watch out for ferns. It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I'm your TV guide, Brett White, and I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com. This week, I am joined by, you know him as the co host of the Homophilia podcast from all sorts of TV everythings and also amazing writing at esquire.com as editor at large mr dave holmes hi brett <laughs> hi dave <laughs> how are you i am doing great you are gonna kick off pride month here at must have seen tv oh good yes this is i wanted to do this last year but i was um lazy and in the middle of a whole bunch of apartment drama so june did not produce any podcast for me last year but this year i am doing it this year we're going to get into some gay tv episodes of the 20th century all pre-ellen back before anything was uh i don't know more acceptable than it is now yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it real. this one took me back i don't want to get ahead of ourselves yeah. oh my <laughs> this week we are going to be traveling to january 27th 1983 tootsie ruled the box office so i don't know synergy there uh, down Under by Minute Work topped the charts to paint the picture, and NBC aired the Cheers episode, The Boys in the Bar. Dave, you must have seen The Boys in the Bar before taping this podcast. You know, I didn't. This uh, this was actually my first time seeing it. Wow. Um, I, I think I was not quite a Cheers viewer yet. That first season was, uh, the ratings were not super good. No. Cheers as you know is kind of famously one of those rare cases where uh, a network stays with a show through a couple seasons of bad ratings and then then it exploded later. I think you know by by 85 I was fully in but uh, 83 it was not there yet. Well what is your history with uh, Cheers? Is it so you did you watch it like were you all in by the time it ended in 93? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was also the year I graduated from college. So that was it was super bittersweet. The final episode was just before our graduation. We were just delightfully melancholy. Uh, yeah, no, I was I was a huge fan from from probably from like season three on. Are you more of a Diane or a uh, Rebecca? You know, obviously, you know, this is really one of those weird cases where you know the replacement was different but uh, but equally good although i mean you really you can't you, it, it's hard to top diane i think you know, if i'm forced to choose i would say diane um what is your history with gay characters on tv would this episode if you had seen this episode in 83 would it have blown your mind oh absolutely it would have um you know 83 83 84 85 was was kind of a time when um 
you would occasionally see a gay character. I mean, it really wasn't only, you know, it wasn't until quite recently that there was a gay character who had any function other than teaching the straight main character a lesson. Yeah. Uh, 83 to 86-ish, there were a few, I remember there were a few TV movies uh, about gay people. Um, one, of course, you know, was about AIDS. Um, the other was just about, like, coming out and what a big deal that was and whatever and how traumatic for a family and, and all that mm-hmm. thing. But I, I remember I watched them all, like, hungrily, you know? I, I, was, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, was, I was just the idea that there would be a gay character at all was so titillating. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they really didn't do much of anything. Um, they were always, you know, pretty and young. Uh, I remember one, there was a, uh, a TV movie called Consenting Adults with, I want to say, Barry Tubb, who would go on to be one of the uh, one of the young fighter pilots in Top Gun. Okay. Um, there was an early frost with, uh, with Aiden Quinn. Yeah, I feel like, I've either heard you, did you write about these in your amazing book, Party of One? I might have. I, off the top of my head, I'm not 100% sure. Because all of these names are like uh, triggering things. I also have this book called, oh God, it's called yeah, The Primetime Closet, which is about uh, gay representation on television. And it, it ends with Will and Grace starting, which kind of tells you how old it is. Yeah. But they talk about all these TV movies and about how it became like this, uh, you know, case of the week. Yes. Um, and even through my work at Decider, when I started at Decider, I started doing that gay episode, which was a column about these specific gay episodes where, like, the problem of the week is a queer person comes to town. Yeah. And you can really track this really interesting progression where the 70s ones are way more liberal than the 80s ones, which is... Sure. Um, we're going to be talking about AIDS a lot this month, listeners. I, I apologize, but that's how history worked. That was the lens through which you saw these characters for a very long time. Yeah. If you watch the 70s ones, the gay characters come and everyone's actually pretty cool with it, even if they won't stick around for more than, you know, 15 minutes of an episode. The eight, the 80s ones are all about homophobia and, like, panic. You're right. And while they never explicitly talk about AIDS, you know, well, that's because everyone is freaked out. Right. Of course. Great. Yeah. A lot of fun <laughs> for all of us. The, the 80s were really kind of a bro time, you know? It was a very... Yes, they definitely were. Um, it was a very Reagan era, um, you know, the cool guys are on top kind of time, you know? So it makes sense. makes sense that things would be a little bit more uh, panicky and reactionary. Yeah. Uh, let's dive into it. So this week on Must Have Seen TV, we're going to be talking about the Cheers episode, The Boys in the Bar. It is the 16th episode of season one and was written by David Isaacs and Ken Levine and directed by... James Burroughs. Here's how Netflix describes the episode. When Sam publicly supports an old teammate who has come out of the closet, Norma and the gang are afraid that Cheers will become a gay bar. Dave, how accurate is that description? Well, um, the the <laughs> second part, 100% accurate. The, uh, yes. the part about Sam supporting his teammate is not false, but it's not really true either, is it? No, it's... He has... He has an interesting arc in this episode. Yeah. Uh, It goes really quickly, too. Like, he goes from being very homophobic to, like, being kind of, I don't know, comparatively stand-up. Like, it's kind of like this mercenary version of, like, I don't want my business to shut down kind of thing. Yeah. Like, he's afraid of losing his regulars. Yeah, exactly. And also, the... um the uh, His reaction is that kind of tepid sort of well you know you're my friend and i'm not going to beat you up and you know yeah you know (laughs) hey you know you can imagine him being just like as long as you never you know talk about it or express it in any way then we're totally friends yeah 
they were totally fine. Uh, so the episode actually opens with uh, a, a good old Harry the Hat uh, scene with Harry Anderson on there as his con artist, like back in the pool hall. It's such a weird, like such a weird, uh, totally disconnected from the rest of the episode little bit of him, of him just hanging out back there. Yeah, it feels like proper cold open. Yeah. Are you a big uh, Night Court person? What are your Harry Anderson feelings? Um, I, I vastly prefer Harry Anderson on uh, on Cheers. Oh. It was a little menacing. There was a darkness. Yeah, it, it is weird how he is a he's a very nerdy looking guy, but he does project this. I think it's because we know that he's a con artist, and so you're always trying to like think a step ahead of the person that's thinking a step ahead. Step yeah, ahead. Yeah. He makes you think a lot more. I like to. Like Night Court, okay. I, I can't ever say I was a, I was a huge fan. Yeah, I've only gotten into it recently. I think that it's really hurt by not being on any streaming service. I have to pay for it in iTunes in order to watch it. Um, Who's going to do that? Nobody. Yeah, which, you know, I, I'll do it because I'm committed to this bit that I've carved out for myself where I'm into all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. just drag my husband down with me of just having to watch all this. That is the all of a brand. Yeah, yeah. We should also talk about the Cheers theme song, because what people don't realize is that the second verse of the Cheers theme song has a homophobic line in it. Oh, please explain. Did you, did you know this? No. Um, so you'll discover this if you ever do the Cheers theme song at karaoke. Yeah. Um, so the second verse that no one ever hears is, Roll out of bed, Mr. Coffee's dead, the morning's looking bright, and your shrink ran off to Europe and didn't even write... And your husband wants to be a girl. Wow. Be glad there's one place in the world where everybody... Yeah, and your husband wants to be a girl. Huh. Weird. I, and I also didn't realize that the the song was being sung to a woman at all. Yeah. Well, or... Yeah. Or it could be just wildly... Yeah. Yeah. Way way more progressive and also regressive all at the same yeah. time. It is, it is the first verse, the verse that you hear every single episode makes sense. Like, the lyrics of that make sense. But the second verse... We're all out of bed, Mr. Coffee's dead, the morning's looking bright, and your shrink ran off to Europe. Like, this is way too specific. Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> Very weird. This feels like the writer is working through some personal issues. Yeah, very, very. Yeah. <laughs> so if you ever want to do the Cheers theme song at karaoke, because it is a good group sing-along. Of course, everybody knows it. Well, everybody knows yeah. some of it. Yeah, fingers crossed you're not going to get the full, like, two-minute version. This isn't like uh, the Rembrandt's I'll Be There For You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which has a killer second verse yes of course or um this house is not a home their second hit oh they had they had hits for days they had johnny have her and uh that's just the way it is baby they yeah i'm i'm <laughs> all in on the rembrandts were they did they have hits before the friends theme song yes they did yes they did oh man full albums before that so then the the episode proper starts diane comes in and is talking about like how she was i'm sorry i'm late but wait till you hear what i've been doing <laughs> this afternoon i spent Five entire hours in a sensory deprivation tank. Your rooms? <laughs> I did not know that they had those in 83. Well, you know, that's a very Diane thing. It's a very Diane thing. But we immediately jump to the fact that this is not a normal day in Cheers. So there's a press event going on in the bar, which all of season one of Cheers just takes place in the bar. They never leave the bar. Right. Um, so it feels very much like, well, we obviously should be like at a bookstore, but let's just put it in the bar. Yeah, we're not gonna do we're you know we're we're in the middle of a low-rated first season we're not gonna build a store set sure uh and the book itself is catcher's mask by tom kinderson that is a great title it's a very good name very good name have you ever read any of like because this is based on like kind of like a subgenre of books of like you know coming out sports memoirs yeah have you ever read any of those or um no, i don't think i've read any um i i definitely i read the the dreyfus affair which is fiction but um 
that I don't know if you remember that it was like a, a baseball coming out uh, book from the '90s that was always about to be turned into a movie, and right. did. Uh, was your coming out announcement overshadowed by a sports person? Was that the story? Well, kind of, kind of. Um, I can't. I did my first like official interview. I mean, I'd been out by the way for since forever. But I did my first like interview interview without uh, out magazine, and on the cover of that issue was a um, was a model with his shirt off in baseball pants with a bat over his shoulder, um, and he was representing the uh, the gay major league baseball player that the editor in chief of Out at the time was allegedly dating. So that person. <laughs> Whether or not it existed, did a um, did an inter- did like an essay, but like anonymously about his experience as a gay major league baseball player. But then it, that I I am not a, this was ages ago, and I don't I'm not aware of any even former major league baseball players coming out in the time since. So I don't I can't say that that uh, <laughs> was was real. But the but the guy's abs on the cover absolutely real, very real and very important. Very have to get that get that out to the Listen, people. Yeah, I mean, you gotta get people to buy magazines. So Diane calls this like, of course, she isn't going to read it. She doesn't want to read another. So this is a press conference to announce the arrival of yet another thick-headed jock epic. Pretty sick burn. Really good burn. Also, a really good pull quote, uh, maybe. Sure. Uh, Sam, of course, has not read this book. Um, Diane basically says, like, wow. we I haven't read it, actually. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Didn't want to uh, wear out your lips. Again, a great burn. Diane has so many good burns in this episode. Yeah, and kind of in general. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She had a, she had a tongue. Was, uh, you know, it was the only she could fight back. She had a very sharp tongue up. So she sits down, she speed reads the whole thing. And while she's speed reading is when the uh, press conference starts. Or no, before that, we get Carla, who's totally hot for Tom Kinderson. Right. Carla, very pregnant Carla as well. Very pregnant Carla. Yeah, this is like the first... This is like the first of three or four times that she's pregnant on the show. Yeah, she was cranking them out in those days. It's at this point that I really noted that the jackets, like the texture, the style of what like uh, what Sam and Tom are wearing is very like I'm into it, I would say. Yeah, it is insane how hot young Ted Danson is. It's crazy. Yeah, and also that this was his, like, one of his first ever acting roles as well. Yeah. He played a hairdresser in an episode of Taxi, like, right before this, and that might be where he met Glenn and Les Charles, and then he got this, and he was not, like, he talked now about how he was not, like, a womanizer, he didn't even really like baseball that much, and he had to, like, really act, and it's like, well, you did a great job. Yeah. Also, looks like he's carved out of wood. (laughs) Like, he's so chiseled. Super duper chiseled, like crazy, like skin tone. Yeah, he's he's something. And also the fact that the entire show is so brown just like really works with just how brown he is. Yeah. Everyone's very brown and tan. Yeah, for real. Yeah, it's just varying uh, shades of tan. Beer colored. So Alan Autry is the guy that plays Tom Kinderson. And right before we started talking, I did like a quick Wikipedia search and he's had a life. Tell me he started out as an NFL player um, in the 70s for the Green Bay Packers for like just a couple seasons where his name was Carlos Brown. Really? He changed his name. So then he became an actor. He did this episode. In 1986, he became a born-again Christian. Whoa. Then he was one of the leads of In the Heat of the Night from 1988 to 1995. Uh-huh. And then he most recently was the Republican mayor of Fresno, California. 
from 2001 to 2009. Holy cow. And he's on he's on uh, the 700 Club a whole lot. Wow, we. So I wonder does he disavow this episode? I would think maybe <laughs> To uh to to play a gay baseball player with like there's like there's I would say talk about Tom Kenderson as a character there's some dignity there he seems very like I don't know played with a little bit of warmth not really depth because he doesn't have much to do doesn't have anything to do <laughs> doesn't have anything to do except for stand there yeah he shows up has a half a book reading and then leaves um so basically he introduces everyone to sam everyone's like sam's like really for three years we did everything together i mean no one ever saw us apart there and that's when the press conference the journalists hit him with the gotcha questions of like oh you two are real close how do you feel about him coming out of the closet three assembled journalists there are very few people there why is this happening <laughs> at a bar i feel like a if a major league baseball player, because I mean, so, Sam played for the Red Sox. So this is a Red Sox, presumably yeah. a catcher, yeah, because of the title. Also, the uh, double entendre uh, pitcher catcher is a, is a different. It works on multiple layers. Our man is a bottom. Good to know. Yeah, <laughs> Tom Kinderson. So it's at this point that we get our first. Um, we find out the horrible truth that half the cast are homophobic because Norm immediately says, "Yikes." and then norm cliff all the guys slink away awkwardly on yeah like in line like lemmings what are your do we need to get into like what are your feelings about cliff and norm i mean we could you know they're they're they they represent the you know the american id i would imagine in a lot of ways yeah it's kind of Mm -hmm. self-hating guys who hang out in a bar I I love Cliff. This is very public knowledge of the previous two episodes I've done of this podcast. Um, and my head cannon. I don't I don't really fuck with head cannons. I don't really get into the fanficy realm of the internet that people love. Uh, but if I have one head cannon, if I was to write a Cheers revival, I would have seventy year old Cliff be an out gay man. Damn it! You know that would track. That's my specific thing. He's sublimating his desires into uh, trivia. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's still like very tight with his mom. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified of women. Sure, sounds a lot like myself. Sure. sure. <laughs> There's a really good moment from Shelley Long around here. So like, uh, Diane is like, "I need to get him away. I need to get Sam out of this press conference. I need to speak to you in the back." Sam, uh, Sam, there, there's an emergency in uh, in the back room. What? Um, I found holes in the pool table. And the the way that she delivers that line and the look on her face, Shelley Long gives it this immediate, like, throwaway, like, that was a stupid excuse, but just come on back here. And I really like that little moment. She's so good. Amazing. This is either, you know, I've told some people and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I've told other people and they were, their minds were blown. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this will go. But it is um, it is alleged that Shelley Long is the uh, is the basis of the character Valerie Cherish on the comeback. Oh, that makes so much Doesn't sense. Doesn't that make sense? Because of the, the Groundlings connection and all that. Like, you know, Michael Patrick King would have known her from that world and Lisa Kudrow would have known her from that world. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like an unsuccessful Shelley Long, right? <laughs> well, kind of, I mean, sort of a, a post-Cheers Shelley Long, you know, who like never really had another hit show. Right. She Well, she left to be a movie star and then that, did not happen. I pan out. Unfortunately. I mean, True Beverly Hills is great, but maybe you shouldn't have left yours. And also, I do love the Brady Bunch movies because yeah. that hit me at the right time. Oh, of course. Also, I mean, she won an, she won an Emmy for the pilot, which really? I don't know how often that happens. Yeah, like she won an Emmy for season one and she submitted the pilot episode. So she won one Emmy uh, and it was for the 
first episode of Cheers, which I feel like is that's pretty impressive. That's that's great. That's something. Now we're back in the back room, and this is Sam's entire like arc kind of compressed down into just one scene where he goes through rejecting it, not believing it, and then Diane like has to be like, "What is your problem?" And then he's comes around kind of quickly or comes around, as you said, like at least on a surface level. Right. Of just like, listen, you know, I'm, I'm not gay, but you are. And, you know, oh, God, and poor, poor coach seems crestfallen. Yeah, everyone's just sort of begrudgingly giving their very tepid support. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sam has this really uncomfortable line of like, no, I'm not upset. I'm not upset. It's, it's just that it, guys should be guys, Diane. That's all. I don't uh that's really unfortunate yeah. to, uh, I don't know, hear. It's but it's enlightening in a way because it's, it's really what all of homophobia boils down to. You know, really, it's any smarter than that. I mean, you can, you can put all kinds of religious reasons on it. You can put all kinds of, you know, whatever. But it boils down to guys should just be guys. Right. Which is depressing. Which, I mean, the thing, the reason I do love this episode, and this is more of a macro point, is that it does feel like the screenplay gets how dumb everyone is being yeah. and it's all through diane the shitty thing about this is that since there is no gay character on the show it all falls down to diane to do all the heavy lifting all the guys are being dumb and meatheaded and, and all that but they also do get all the good lines that's the that's the bummer the whole thing is like they're not enlightened you do laugh with them yeah there are a couple of really dark moments that i'll i'll get to uh in the second act because act one ends with norm basically being like have you heard what happened to Vito's pub yeah it's a gay bar it's like no one night Vito lets a gay group hold a meeting in the back room right uh, gays for the metric system or something <laughs> story got in the newspaper gets a lot of attention next thing you know Vito's pub turns into Vito's pub <laughs> All the regulars left, Sammy. Out went the oars and the moose heads. In came plants and ferns. Ferns. <sighs> Norm's really hung up on ferns. Do you know why? Is that a th- was that a gay thing in the eighties? Ferns. It wasn't. It was not a gay thing in the eighties, but it was sort of that line um, that gays for the metric system line kind of nails it perfectly because there there really was a thing called the fern bar in the late seventies and early eighties. And it would be sort of a more like a heightened version of the singles bar. You know, if you were right, if you were like into, um, seals and crofts or, you know, England, Dan and John Ford Coley, you would go to a fern bar. It would be like a little bit more elegant. They would have cocktails. Um, and it would be sort of, you know, the idea would be that it would be a slightly more upscale, sophisticated crowd. Which for the character for characters like Norman Cliff would sort of equate to gay. <laughs> I like so it's entirely possible that Norman like Vito's might actually not be a gay bar. It might just be a bar where people like Diane hang out. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the meat of the episode starts right here, where Diane basically she says this really great thing that I do like, where she's like, "There are." The fact of the matter is, there are gay people in this bar all the time. Which 
is so there is a thing about uh since gay people have to live in hiding we had to live in hiding for so very long our history has gotten lost we've been afraid to tell it right when you go back and look at like the 60s or the 50s or any other time before that you're like well there were no gay people there it's like no there were they just couldn't say anything right so i love that diane with that one very quick line is pointing out no there have been gay people there probably is there's a gay person in this bar every episode of cheers they will never say a word (laughs) yeah yeah but they're there darn it yeah that would have blown my mind if I had seen this when I was uh, 11 or however old I was when this came out. Right. So, I mean, the so this is when Norm Norm's gaydar comes into effect, which where he's like, no, there are no gay people in this bar. And he looks around like everyone looks OK to me, which if this episode had been written 10 years at like later when gaydar was a thing in pop culture, uh-huh. really easy joke to make there. <laughs> like, of course. Of course. And then and these two fellas come in. With, I mean, beautifully cast. Um, oh God, yes. The directive from the casting director must have been, and, and again, we didn't we didn't have the the language for this yet, but it truly must have been like, find me two guys with gay face. Yeah. So like, Diane is like, no, there are gay people here all the time. Two men walk in. She's like, there are there are gay men here right now. They told me because they they liked what Sam did in the newspaper, how he stood up for Tom. They're here now, huh? and they're all like, well, I don't see them. And then these men walk in, and one is wearing a leather vest over a mustard colored shirt and he is like feathered mullet kind of like a feathered feathered hair and a big black mustache yeah and then his friend is wearing a really skinny tie yeah like it, they look i mean like a, even gayer hollow notes like actually gay hollow notes maybe yeah, yeah. a vi- yeah very pretty blonde and a very village people looking brunette guy. But did you clock the guy standing behind them who was in a, like, gray turtleneck? Yes. Mustache and a gray sport coat over it? That guy, very gay as well, but not in the canon of the show. Right. Or maybe, actually. Yeah, who knows? As Diane said, they are everywhere. Wherever. There's a really sweet line around this time where Coach is like, Sam, those guys look okay to me. They are okay, coach. Which is really heartwarming, I thought. It is. It's, but again, I mean, it's the the main character is reaching for nobility by just being like, no, let's not let's not kick those people out for being gay. You know, just right. like let's let's be let us express the, the minimum level of human decency. So they start doing this TV test. We're like, we're going to see if those guys are actually gay by turning on the TV. I got an idea. Hey, look at the pagandas on that babe. Oh, this is medieval. I never known long green had pagandas. They notice that they aren't turning around to look at the television. And so then Diane, mimicking the men, says, uh, They're not watching. Let's string them up. Which is a lynching joke. Right. And the audience doesn't react at all. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's where I appreciate the script taking a very firm hand like that is the script kind of reaching through the television to really punch people in the face in a way but it also underlines that the audience was not on her side yeah i mean or it's just you know the the audience is grappling with the question of whether or not gay people are actual people right so, like, to, to talk about that a little bit more, at the very end, when there is when they kiss Norm on the cheek, the audience did not laugh. No. They said, like, there's all these interviews, with, like, like the writers and all that, where they were like, we did that in, like, all week long. The cast loved it. The crew loved it. We all thought it was funny. But then the sight of two men kissing Norm on the cheek 
caused everyone in the audience to shut down. And that's when they added the line of better than Vera. And then they got to laugh, which that's so weird. Like your yeah. wife kisses you on the cheek. Like there are levels to being good at a uh, cheek kiss. Yeah, right. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how that works at all. Yeah, not at all. It's also, have, this is also very, um, there starts to be like this gay witch hunt at this point too, where they're all starting to like point fingers at each other. Uh, mostly Cliff because he's Cliff. Right. Which just furthers my headcanon, which is very Twilight Zone-y. It, there's a real Twilight Zone vibe to the middle of this episode. It is. It's very the uh, the weird walk down the hall where everyone's like everyone's upset, like yeah. sort of a mob going down the hall. And it's like and, and all of the sort of all the kind of extras are doing a lot of work, a lot of a lot of finger pointing in the air and angry fist shaking. It's uh, it reminds me of um, when the whole Peanuts gang um, fixes up the tree at the end of uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. There's just like a mass of like limbs and heads. It is weird because Cheers, usually all those extras don't move. But in this one, a good solid six to eight of them are on the move with them the entire time. Not saying anything. No, of course not. They all, they all like get up and move to the back pool hall area to like discuss this away from those three possible gays. Those right. three like people from a from a minute work video i mean i don't yeah, totally totally um yeah straight out of can't stop the music um also i mean you know this is a bar it, it, we would believe it if they talked on the other end of the bar that the people right. by the front door wouldn't be able to hear them there's also another moment around here where like norm where norm is expressing his like mm, sammy we check in in a couple weeks and we'll just see if cheers is still the kind of bar where a single woman can be assured of being harassed and hit on hey which is another line that like from me, as like I don't know, like as a comedy writer, it's like, well, that's obviously Kim Levine and David Isaacs being like, Norm is wrong. This is a wrong thing. Yeah. But the audience still reacts to it as if it's funny. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, this, this was uh, Cheers was um, in these years. Both my brothers were in college. I was in, I think, this was '83. I was in sixth grade, and uh, and they were really big Cheers fans. And both both of them at their respective schools would watch Cheers every week with their friends or their fraternities or whatever, and. And uh, that was kind of that was a that was kind of their sense of humor, you know. Yeah, um, was just this like weird broy, caddyshacky kind of you know. Guy. I mean, they're not like they're not jerks, but it's just that was the dominant sense of humor in the '80s. Was this kind of meat heady uh-huh. straight guy thing? It's so like Norm is this weird. I don't know, like Ouroboros, like layers of irony. Where like Norm knows that harassing women is wrong, but he thinks it's funny to make a joke about how fun it is to harass women, totally unaware of the fact that he unknowingly harasses women, most likely. Sure, sure. (laughs) I think I just uh, broke my brain trying to figure out where that line is coming from. Too much. So basically, they're like, we're all going to leave. You're going to be shut down. Sam's like, I can't lose. I can't lose my regulars. And also, I'm not sure. I mean, these guys are my regulars. If I lose my regulars, I lose my bar. If single women stop coming in here, I have no reason to live. So. Yeah. And so he, he asked Diane, how am I going to go kick those people out? And then Diane says, What do you think I should say to them? <laughs> oh, well, it's very simple. You just walk up and say, hello, we're a group of sniveling bigots, and uh, we don't care for your kind. Ooh, put it out. Which, again, is another, like... Another time, they keep giving Diane these lines. Like, normally Diane's operating at, like, an 8, and she's at a full 11 in this episode, which I think is compensating for just how bigoted everyone else is being. Yeah. 
So they all go back out, and Sam has his big hero moment where we have to, like, applaud him, right? We have to give him all the props. We have to put him on the cover of, you know, Out Magazine. Sure. For basically being like a... Sammy, Sammy, I thought you always had more character. Hey, listen, those guys are staying. Anyone else wants to leave, that's fine. Okay, Sam, you know what kind of bar this could turn into? It's not going to turn into the kind of bar that I have to throw people out of. That was the noblest proposition you've ever dangled. <laughs> so what do you, So yeah, you kind of already talked about what you think about Sam's big hero turn. Do you think it's how genuine is it? Is he is he going to go to some uh, gay straight alliance meetings? No, no, he's not going to be friends with these guys. He's just it, acting out of the desire to preserve his bar. Do you think Cheers? Like, what is a Cheers like where Cliff does come out or like Frasier comes on and Frasier's bisexual? Like, what is it? This episode looks different if Cheers actually does continue to deal with gay characters. Right. On an extended period of time. Well, it would be like real life. Right. Yeah. It would be like actual 1983 Boston. Probably. Yeah. It would be like Boston now and yesterday. and Right. Because that is like the main problem with this episode, which I do think for like 1983 is weirdly progressive because a lot of straight men think Sam is the shit and like, oh fuck, like Sam doesn't want to punch gay men in the face. I guess that's a tiny step I could also take, hopefully. No, I I would argue otherwise. I think it's like, I think it puts, it gives, it lets straight guys off the hook because it's, Ah. of course, each individual, like most individuals don't, individually want to go and punch gay guys it's just they think that other people do like it's it becomes you know those things come out of like a mob mentality right Right. so um so i think a uh, a straight guy can watch this show and still have all kinds of dumb regressive homophobic thoughts but be like well just like sam i am pro-gay because i don't right i wouldn't throw them out of the bar personally and the episode also like so the next thing that happens is all the regulars trick the gay men into leaving they're like Last call, 7 p.m., yeah. the gay men leave, and then they all come back in, and they're all super, like, it worked. They're all happy. That is what is really gross, because they're never, nobody's really ever called out on, on that, on, like, their incredible anxiety about sharing a public space with some people who may or may not be gay. I think that's insane, and they don't really get a comeuppance for that. You know, they don't, they don't, nobody's punished for, for that in any way. Like, even really gets a joke, you know, made at them. Yeah, in fact, Norm even kind of likes the kiss he gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is, it's also wild that this episode of Cheers fully establishes Cliff, Norm, and Carla as being, like, straightforward homophobes. Yeah, yeah. Like, underpin. I mean, Carla's comes from this really, like, weird place of... Carla! What? You're not prejudiced against gays, are you? Well, I'm not exactly crazy about them. I mean, I get enough competition from women. I'm telling you, if guys keep coming out of the closet, there isn't going to be anybody left to date, and I'm going to have to start going out with girls. Carla, you don't have to worry about me. I like my dates a little more masculine than you. Not much, but a little. So Diane does, like, Diane, the comeuppance of this episode is Diane's point of, like, actually, those men weren't gay. One of them hit on me. The gay men have been here all along. Surprise. They're flanking Norm. They give him a kiss on the cheek. Better than Vera. Episode over. What do you think about those three MTV music video guys not actually being gay? I mean, do we find out that they aren't? Or are they just not the gay guy? Well, and Diane says one of them hit on me. So at least one of them is, you know, okay, okay. bi-curious or something. Sure. 
so in the 80s you see a lot of like you can't judge a book by its cover episodes right where it's like those guys look gay so they have to be what no the two guys that we didn't think looked gay are oh gosh like that's that's a weird message it is a weird message and it, it you know it's this is a thing that i hear from from people sometimes and i'm not gonna like blow up anybody's spot by saying who but I think I have heard from time to time is like, I'm glad you're not one of those gays. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Um, which I think is probably not uncommon. Um, and, and that is troubling to me because it's like, well then what if I was, would you, would you not like me? You know, like it's, um, it's, it's just very, it's very weird. I mean, do we, do we support the gays at the end because they're gay and they're people and they have dignity? Or do we support them at the end because they blend in? Because they could pass and just had a good old time watching this bigoted mob run around. But I don't like it does seem like if you put it in the context of the time, I do I don't know. It's one of those uh weirdly progressive like I could see what they were trying to do. Diane's point of view still holds up today, I think is the main point that I get from this is like Diane's like unrepentant, kind of like blunt, like you guys are bigots. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of refreshing and actually kind of shocking to see on a show in 1983. It is. It is. Except that it is from such a sourpuss of a character. Like she's funny exactly. and everything. But exactly. She is there to be the scold at all times. It would have been nice if we had seen Norm, Cliff or Carla come around or if Coach had had more to say. Yeah. But are you ready for some must have facts about this episode? Absolutely. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode was uh, had a 14.9 rating, which roughly translates to 12.5 million viewers, uh-huh. which is a lot today. But back then, it was number 41 for the week. Christ. Yep. Uh, like 41 out of like 70 shows, maybe even less. It ranked 74th for the season. The top five shows of the 82-83 season were number five, Dynasty, number three, MASH, and Magnum P.I. tied. Two Dallas, 160 minutes. Does that lineup take you back at all? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, 60 minutes is, you know, uh, <laughs> it's a perennial. But, uh, you know, okay. Um, um, yeah, Dynasty, I think I was I was probably beginning my Dynasty years right about now. 
Um, yeah. Which, by the way, had a you know had a fairly you know uh, had, had a big gay character. Is that the one with Steve Carrington? Yeah. Is he on? Okay, yeah. Who was played by Horner and Glasses from Heroes? Uh, that is correct. I think. Well, no, yeah. not at the time. At first, it was Alcor who went on to have one synth pop album that was really big in Germany called Square Rooms. I recommend it. And uh, and then yeah and then he left and then Jack Coleman came in. Okay, you know I'm I'm going back on this now. I'm sorry to jump around, but I've now no please. I'm I I'm I've rewound and I'm watching it on mute. But uh, but like the the actual gays who turn out to be gays are part of the mob and and like they're they're through the whole episode, uh, kind of reacting to the potential gayness of the other two people, but not in ways that on a second viewing you're like, oh, I see what they're doing. Right, which I guess is also why they had that huge mob throughout so they could hide them in there yeah which is again very twilight zone you can see them reacting and you know they're not you you, yeah you got to go back and check it out a second time but it's uh it's an option i should have noted this before but one of the uh gay men that kisses norm on the cheek is the actor kenneth tiger who if you ever saw the marvels the avengers is the lone german citizen that refuses to bow down to loki when he attacks that museum oh and he's the one that says, like, there are always men like you. And then Captain America comes in and saves him. Same guy. So Interesting. I have never seen a single one of those movies. <laughs> uh, so NBC's Thursday night lineup at this time was an hour of fame, then give me a break and cheers, and then an hour of Hill Street Blues. Uh, were you into this Thursday night lineup? Wait, hold on. Wait, wait a minute. This was the year that fame was on NBC? Yeah, one, I guess. How long was that show on? Well, it was on forever, but it, it went to syndication after uh, one or uh, maybe two seasons. Yeah, so this was the season it was on NBC because it was the it kicked off the Thursday night lineup. Uh huh. So it was this, then Give Me a Break and Cheers, which yep. don't really Hill go Street to Super Bowl, and then Hill Street yep. Blues, um, which was you know, which was a hot hot show at the time. So this right. would I, I guess have been the year before the Cosby Show and Family Ties, yeah, because. Co- yeah, Cosby Show, they come on, I guess, right? In, yeah, yep, they come on the next year, or like next year and next year after that, which helps Cheers out tremendously. <laughs> of course. The one that I recall, like the, the, the lineup that I recall is Cosby Show, then I don't remember what was on after the Cosby Show, but then, then Cheers and then Family Ties. Uh, I don't remember what the 10 o'clock would have been. Let's find out. Thursday. NBC, Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, Night Court, Hill Street Blues. Okay, so Hill Street Blues lasted for a while. Yes, it did. Yes, it yeah. did. Um, let's see. 85, 86. Uh, Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, Night Court, Hill Street Blues. Wow. Uh, 86, 87. Uh, Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, Night Court. Then in the springtime, Nothing in Common. Then in the summer, Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. Oh yes, done that on this show before. Yeah, and then um, and then that year was the year that uh, L.A. Law premiered. Yeah, so L.A. Law is the is the bridge between E.R. and Hill Street Blues. Uh huh. Love me some uh, must see TV. Obviously, since that is almost the name of my podcast. Um. So this episode of TV is actually based on the gay baseball player Glenn Burke, who played for the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Oakland Athletics, and he came out after he retired mm-hmm. around this time. Okay. Funny thing about Glenn Burke is he is credited as being the co-inventor of the high five. Oh. Which he invented with... Uh, so 
he, him and his teammate Dusty Baker, I can't remember which one, but they were playing a game. One of them had their hand up, and the other one just, like, hit it. Uh-huh. And then it became a thing. And then after he retired, Burke moved to the Castro, where the high five became a gay thing wow. for a while. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, and then he passed away of AIDS in the 80s. Oh, boy. So that was the uh, bummer. That's the that's the that's the horrible through line of that is, a lot of yeah, this shit. Yeah, uh, that is a real bummer, Brett. Bring me, yep, bring me yep. back up. Bring me back up. Sorry. Uh, okay, I can do it. I can do it. Uh, this was nominated for an Emmy. Hey. Is so? But uh, it lost to Cheers' pilot. So Okay. Uh, it won the Writers Guild episode, uh, the the Writers Guild Award for episodic comedy. Oh, interesting. Okay, that makes sense. So, you know, yeah. Um, on IMDb, 405 randos have rated this an 8.1 out of 10. Hmm. What do you think about that? Would you go higher, lower? What would you rate? Well, I mean, let's put that in the season context. Uh, how did the, the episodes before and after it do? Also, the boys in the bar is obviously a reference to boys in the band. Yeah, that would not have uh, that would have gone over most people's heads. I would imagine. I think that went over my head until literally doing this episode. Oh, really? Um, so I just never made the connection. So the episode before this, Father Knows Last, is they gave it a seven point two, uh. and then Boys in the Bar eight point one, and then the one after this an eight point three. Diane's perfect date. So okay, this is like a little bit above average, maybe for so, uh, IMDb. On an upswing in the season. Yeah, I would. Um... For for its time, for its context, I think it does a good job. Yeah. But it definitely, yeah. for reminding me just how reflexive and unthinking and uh, dumb uh, homophobia is, um, it, uh, it, it does an excellent job. Yep, definitely. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would, yeah, I would give it. I think eight point five. I don't know. I get some really big laughs in this one. Uh, also, just like an, as an artifact of television, it's like fascinating. It really is. Um, who do you think has the must see performance in this episode? I mean, this is this is full Diane. This yep. is uh, this is a big Diane episode. This is uh, you know it is it's still her being um, being progressive and having to deal with uh, Neanderthals, but she does it with good humor. And uh, also, um, uh, Ted Danson's uh, chest hair gets a good uh, supporting <laughs> performance. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Uh, also, Cliff's scarf. He has this little scarf. I, I I don't know why I like Cliff so much. It's a, yeah. it's a real problem. Um, must other people see this episode of television? Would you recommend it? Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a beautiful time capsule. It is. I think it is. Uh, it's very interesting to have people go back and watch it to be like, because it is both like more progressive and less progressive at kind of at the same time. It's definitely not what you would think would air on TV in 1983. I would never have thought that, like, the word bigot, like, sniveling bigots would, uh, and a lynching joke would make it onto... <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I was post-Norman Lear world. Yeah, that is true. And Norman Lear did a couple of gay episodes that I need to do at some point. Um, do you have any final thoughts about The Boys in the Bar before we leave? Uh, well, it did not make a baseball fan of me, I'll tell you that. And that's uh, that's about it. <laughs> uh well thank you so much thank for you. coming on and kicking off this uh Bye. pride month journey it was a joy uh, cheers Bye. oh no pun intended normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to health care it pays to be extra 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.